European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 43, Issue 17, Focus Issue, Valvular Heart Disease. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Valvular Heart Disease, The Quest for New Pharmacological Targets. This focus issue on valvular heart disease contains the state-of-the-art review article entitled Current Recommendations and Uncertainties for Surgical Treatment of Ineffective Endocarditis, a Comparison of American and European Cardiovascular Guidelines, by Andrew Wang from the Duke University Hospital in Durham, North Carolina, USA, and Emil Fosball from the University Hospital of Copenhagen in Denmark. The authors note that surgery is an effective therapy in the treatment of left-sided ineffective endocarditis, or IE, in patients for whom antibiotic treatment alone is unlikely to be curative or may be associated with ongoing risk of complications. However, the interplay between indication for surgery, its risk and timing is complex and there continue to be challenges in defining the effects of surgery on disease-related outcome. Guidelines published by the American College of Cardiology Stroke American Heart Association and the European Society of Cardiology provide recommendations for the use of surgery in IE, but these are limited by a low level of evidence related to predominantly observational studies with inherent selection and survival biases. Evidence to guide the timing of surgery in IE is less robust and predominantly based on expert consensus. Delays between IE diagnosis and recognition of an IE complication as a surgical indication and transfers to surgical centres also impact surgical timing. This comparison of the two guidelines exposes areas of uncertainty and gaps in current evidence for the use of surgery in IE across different indications, particularly related to its timing and consideration of operative risk. Randomized clinical trials demonstrated transcatheter edge-to-edge repair, or TIA, efficacy in improving outcome versus medical management for functional mitral regurgitation, or MR. But limited randomized data are available for the treatment of degenerative MR, or DMR. In a clinical research article entitled Association of Transcatheter Edge-to-Edge Repair with improved survival in older patients with severe symptomatic degenerative mitral regurgitation. Giovanni Benfari and colleagues from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA, aim to compare the outcome of older patients treated with TIA versus unoperated DMR. Registries including consecutive patients greater than or equal to 65 years old with symptomatic severe DMR treated with TIA, the Mitra Swiss and Minneapolis Heart Institute registries, or unoperated, the MIDA registry, were analysed. Survival was compared overall after matching for age, sex, Euroscore 2 and ejection fraction. The study included 1,187 patients. During 24 months of follow-up, 430 patients died. Patients undergoing TIA were of similar age and sex to unoperated patients but at higher surgical risk stroke comorbidity, more symptoms and atrial fibrillation, P being less than 0.0001. TIA was associated with lower mortality accounting for age, sex, Euroscore 2, 
New York Heart Association class, atrial fibrillation, and ejection fraction. Hazard ratio, or HR, 0.47. After propensity matching, with 247 pairs of patients, TIR consistently showed better survival compared with unoperated patients, PE being less than 0.0001, even in comprehensive multivariable analysis, HR 0.60, PE equaling 0.03. Procedural failure was infrequent, but post-procedural MR, remaining moderate to severe in 66 or 7.6% of patients, was associated with excess mortality versus trivial residual regurgitation, 30 plus or minus 6% versus 11 plus or minus 1% at one year, P being less than 0.0001. The authors conclude that among older patients with severe symptomatic DMR at high surgical risk, mitral tear was associated with higher survival versus unoperated patients. Successful control of MR was key to survival improvement with mitral tear, which should be actively considered in patients deemed inoperable. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Bernard Long and Marina Urena from the Bichat Hospital in Paris, France. The authors highlight that dedicated registries are useful to fill gaps in knowledge which will probably never be assessed in randomized trials, but are relevant for clinical practice. Baseline renal dysfunction, or RD, adversely impacts outcome among patients with heart failure, or HF, and severe secondary MR. HF and MR in turn accelerate progression of end-stage renal disease, or ESRD, worsening prognosis. In a clinical research article entitled Impact of Baseline Renal Dysfunction on Cardiac Outcomes and End-Stage Renal Disease in Heart Failure Patients, with mitral regurgitation, the COAP trial. Nirad Beoha and colleagues from the Columbia University Division of Cardiology at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami Beach, Florida, USA, sought to determine the impact of RD in HF patients with severe MR and the impact of TIR on new-onset ESRD and the need for renal replacement therapy, or RRT. The COAP trial randomized 614 patients with HF and severe MR to MitraClip plus guideline-directed medical therapy, or GDMT, versus GDMT alone. Patients were stratified into three RD subgroups based on baseline estimated glomerular filtration rate, or EGFR. ESRD was defined as EGFR less than 15 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared or RRT. The authors assessed two-year rates of all-cause death, HF hospitalization, or HFH, new-onset ESRD, or RRT according to baseline RD and treatment. Baseline RD was present in 77% of patients. Worse RD was associated with greater two-year risk of death, or HFH, P being less than 0.0001. Mitroclip versus GDMT alone improved outcomes regardless of baseline RD, P interaction equaling 0.62, and reduced new onset ESRD, HR 0.34, P equaling 0.008, and the need for new RRT, HR 0.33, 95%, P 
equaling 0.011. The authors conclude that baseline RD is common in HF patients with severe MR enrolled in COAP and strongly predicts two-year death and HFH. Mitroclip treatment reduces new-onset ESRD and the need for RRT, contributing to improved prognosis after TIA. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Volker Rudolf from the Ruhr Universitätsbaukam in Bad Auenhausen, Germany. Rudolf concludes that several consequences for daily clinical practice should be derived from the study by Beohar et al. In light of the high prevalence of overall and severe RD, clinicians and interventionalists treating patients suffering from secondary MR need to realise that they are dealing with complex and very sick patients in which isolated treatment of MR will fail to be beneficial if HF is not appropriately addressed and comorbidities are disregarded. This starts with being mindful about the indications for TIA, where RD and its expected course is an important consideration in the evaluation of advanced HF therapies, such as continuous mechanical support or transplantation. It also pertains to the need for continuous follow-up of these patients in the HF clinic with regular monitoring of renal function, not only to prevent deterioration of renal function, but potentially also to seize the chance of using TIA as a strategy to maintain or even extend GDMT. Tetrahydrobiopterin, or BH4, is a critical determinant of the biological function of endothelial nitric oxide synthase. In a translational research article entitled Endothelial Cell-Derived Tetrahydrobiopterin Prevents Aortic Valve Calcification, Hong Tao Liu and colleagues from the Huangzong University of Science and Technology in Hubei, China, investigate the role of valvular endothelial cell, or VEC-derived BH4, in aortic valve calcification. Plasma and aortic valve BH4 concentrations and the BH4 to BH2 ratio were significantly lower in calcific aortic valve disease patients than in controls. There was a significant decrease of the two key enzymes of BH4 biosynthesis, guanosine triphosphate cyclohydrolase 1 or GCH1 and dihydrofolate reductase, in calcified aortic valves compared with normal valves. Endothelial cell-specific deficiency of GCH1 in APOE knockout, or APOE knockout GCH1 flanked by type 2 Cray mice, showed a marked increase in transvalvular peak jet velocity and calcium deposition in aortic valve leaflets compared with APOE knockout GCH1 flanked by mice after a 24-week Western diet challenge. Oxidized LDL, or OxLDL, induced osteoblastic differentiation of valvular interstitial cells, or VICs, co-cultured with Psi-GCH1 transfected VECs, while the effects could be abolished by BH4 supplementation. Deficiency of BH4 in VECs caused an increase in peroxynitrate formation. Folic acid significantly attenuated aortic valve calcification in Western diet-fed APOE knockout mice through salvaging of BH4 biosynthesis. Liu and colleagues conclude that the reduction in endothelial-dependent BH4 levels promotes peroxynitrate formation, which subsequently results in osteoblastic differentiation of VICs, 
thereby leading to aortic valve calcification. Supplementation of FA in the diet attenuates hypercholesterolemia-induced aortic valve calcification by salvaging BH4 bioavailability. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Alexander Akhmadov and Simon Kraler from the University of Zurich in Switzerland and Vidu Garg from the Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, USA. The authors conclude that advances in our mechanistic understanding of calcific aortic valve disease, or CAVD, pathogenesis, such as those on BH4 reported by Liu and colleagues, may set the stage for innovative clinical trials targeting mediators beyond those tested in previous studies, and thus may provide novel therapeutic opportunities to eventually treat CAVD by non-interventional means. Results of currently ongoing randomized controlled trials are eagerly awaited, as such studies broaden our understanding of the valvular nitric oxide signaling pathway at large, while providing translational evidence on whether interfering with this pathway may prove effective to slow CAVD progression. Mitral valve prolapse, or MVP, is a common valvular heart disease with a prevalence of greater than 2% in the general adult population. Despite this high incidence, there is a limited understanding of the molecular mechanisms of this disease and no medical therapy is available. In another translational research article entitled Genome-Wide Association Study Reveals Novel Genetic Loci A New Polygenic Risk Score for Mitral Valve Prolapse Carolina Roselli and colleagues from the Broad Institute of the MIT and Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA, aim to elucidate the genetic basis of MVP. They performed a meta-analysis of six genome-wide association studies that included 4,884 cases and 434,649 controls. They identified 14 loci associated with MVP in their primary analysis and two additional loci associated with a subset of the samples that additionally underwent mitral valve surgery. Integration of epigenic, transcriptional and proteomic data identified candidate MVP genes. The authors created a polygenic risk score for MVP and showed an improved MVP risk prediction beyond age, sex, and clinical risk factors. Roselli and colleagues conclude that they identified 14 genetic loci that are associated with MVP. Multiple analyses identified candidate genes, including two transforming growth factor beta signaling molecules and spectrin beta. They present the first polygenic risk score for MVP that could eventually aid risk stratification of patients for MVP screening in a clinical setting. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Theresa Trankwalder from the Technical University Munich in Germany and Marcus Crane from the Yale University School of Medicine in New Haven, Connecticut, USA. The authors conclude that the current study by Roselli and colleagues adds an important piece of evidence to the multifactorial heritability of MVP and provides a deeper understanding of the signaling pathways involved. Hopefully, this will also increase the awareness of a positive family history for patients with MVP and their relatives in clinical practice and eventually encourage us to carefully dissect this common phenotype 
into clinically distinct subgroups in the future. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its readers.